Welcome to the Avail Podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Reverend Dr. Roger A. Mitchell Jr. Dr. Mitchell is an experienced physician and board-certified forensic pathologist, a strong advocate for violence prevention, and has served as chair of pathology and chief medical officer at Howard University College of Medicine. He is also the online associate pastor at New Bethel Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Today, he'll be sharing about his unique leadership roles, violence prevention tactics, and his call to ministry. So lean in, leaders, and let's get started. We are back, everybody. It's another episode of the Avail podcast where we talk about the art of leadership and as always, we are sitting down with an awesome leader. We're talking about Reverend Dr. Roger A. Mitchell Jr., who's got an interesting role in the kingdom and on this earth. And I hope everybody leans in for a great leadership conversation. Reverend Dr. Roger A. Mitchell Jr., welcome to the Avail Podcast. How you feeling? Virgil, I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited about being, being here with Avail, being here with you, man. It's great to be here. Hey, we're excited too. I'm looking forward for our Avail audience to just lean in and get to know you a little bit. And uh, before we jump into just some some conversation, leadership talk about uh, the roles that God has used you in and some just insights and wisdom that you have, why don't you share a little bit about yourself so our audience can kind of lean in and understand who is Reverend Dr. Roger A. Mitchell Jr. Well, listen, first of all, I'm a, I'm a, a believer in the gospel, a believer in the way. Uh, I am an associate online pastor here at New Bethel Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Our pastor is Dexter Nuttall, so shout out uh, to NB Anywhere. That's our online platform. Shout out to you all. I'm a father. <laughs> I'm, I'm a husband um, of 20 years to my, my college sweetheart, Angelique. Um, but I'm also a physician, so my leadership um, outside of the pulpit, outside of the kingdom, um, if there is such a thing. Uh, is in the world of in the world of healthcare. So I'm a forensic pathologist and have been a forensic pathologist uh, for over 15 years, and um, and have just moved out of government where I was chief medical examiner for for about seven, and, and then deputy mayor for public safety and justice, and then now I uh, have moved back to my alma mater. I went to Howard University as an undergrad, and now I'm um, the chairman of pathology at Howard University College of Medicine and have just been elevated to the chief medical officer for the ambulatory care, just trying to bring um, health care uh, to the community uh, in a way that, that, is, that is required. So really happy to be here. I think that's me in a, in a nutshell. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a mama's <laughs> boy too. If, if you must know, I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom. <laughs> And as we were talking before, a little bit before, uh, you're married. You got three kids, and that's also that's a whole that's a whole other role and responsibility in, in which we got to thrive in as leaders as well, in family. Listen, if, if, if you can't if you can't lead in your home, right? If you can't serve in Come your on. home, then it's really going to be hard to lead and serve um, outside your home. You're operating in a bit of a hypocrisy if you can't operate in your home. <laughs> if 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 you can't operate in your home even better than in the world. So I'm just blessed to have a life partner in the form of my wife, my best friend. Uh, hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll get some points from that. Rick. 
<laughs> you got to make sure you show this podcast. All right, let, let's let's talk. You know, I, I want to say that I I, um, I really appreciate your perspective as a leader. Not only are you a minister, you know, and an associate pastor at your church there in Washington D.C., but you serve in the in um, in, in healthcare. You and you have been um, before I went into full time ministry. Uh, I, I I worked as an occupational therapist in the healthcare world, right? In in the the, the just helping people world. Uh, and man, I think there's so much value in your insight and your perspective. Let's let's start there. How did your career, your career as a physician uh, and as a forensic pathologist, how has that led you uh, in your in your passions and and more specifically your your focus on violence prevention? Because I think this is important, and you are in a perfect position to address both of those. Yeah, you know, mine mine started early. You know, I, I came from a single parent home. My father was crack cocaine addicted, um, and so there was there was a, there was some instability. And where there's instability, uh, there's there's a bit of violence, uh, emotional violence. Um, and yeah. you know, we grew up in the '80s, man. This was when the, the crack cocaine epidemic was hitting communities, and so mm-hmm. um, violence in community and fatherless homes was was a mainstay uh, when we when, when I was coming mm-hmm. up and. And, and my family was part of that. Um, the good thing is, is that I had connections with my grandfather, who was a um, physician. He graduated Howard Med in 1932. And so I connected to his legacy in wanting to be a physician very early uh, because I couldn't connect to my, my, my own father's legacy. Now, my father and I are great friends now, and he's, he's sober. But I bring that up because that's really the root of why I engaged violence as a public health issue. I, you know, after I left Howard University undergrad, I, I was one of the first black men in FBI laboratories. I was a DNA FBI um, scientist, and, and part of that job was to look at items of evidence from violent crime. So I was able to identify with um the communities that were affected by violence in the form of their evidence. And there I was exposed to uh, David Satcher's work. Um, He was the um, uh, president of Morehouse College of Medicine and uh, his work Mm. on violence. Um, And he was also um, the the Surgeon General uh, for the United States. And he wrote a a book on youth violence and how you can prevent, uh, prevent it. Um, so that captured me in my, my early 20s, forced me to go to, to medical school to understand violence as a public health issue. So I spent my my medical school time studying violence, studying law enforcement force, stress management, um, uh, learning under some very smart people, uh, and, and then have made it part of my prevention exercise. As a forensic pathologist, we see the end result of, of violence. Uh, in the forms of homicides yeah. and suicides. And some would even say that drug overdoses is a violent death, right? And so we see a lot of that. And so part of my role was to, or part of my passions, was to see how we can prevent that in community. And so I spent a lot of time looking at that and, um, yeah. and believe that it's required to have leadership in this space and not just the criminal legal leadership, but the leadership in community, leadership in churches, the leadership in medicine and healthcare provision. Mm. Um, 
that we all have a role in decreasing violence uh, in our communities. Yeah, that's good. In in, in a second, uh, I'm going to ask you another question in regards to a, uh, an article you wrote in our in one of our available journal editions. But but before that, you just mentioned something important. You served so you served as a medical examiner in Washington D.C. for seven years. And you ended your tenure uh, there as an interim deputy mayor for public safety. Can you talk to us a little bit about about that and how how do you think those leadership roles have allowed you to make an impact in the community? You know, I'm getting chills right now, Virgil, because um, when you say those roles together, when you say chief medical examiner, and that's a person who does autopsies and determines cause of death, and then you said at the same yeah. time. Deputy Mayor of Public Safety and Justice, whose job it is to oversee the police department, the fire department, the EMS, the victim services, <laughs> forensic institutions, the medical examiner, multi-billion dollar uh, operation. Um, the, 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 the impact of leadership is realizing that God has placed something in you that is only for you. And that if you wow. allow for yourself to be put in a box of what defines you by the label that is placed on the chair that you sit, then you limit Uh God's ability to use you as a leader. If I just said, well, my chair says medical examiner, so that's the only chair that I can sit in, then I would have never Mm -hmm. been able to help develop violence prevention activities for, for our nation's capital and been the author of several initiatives and programs that save lives versus just categorize lives. Wow. If, if I just was worried about what was said on my chair, um, and, 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 and the same thing with the deputy mayor, you know, if I just worried about that, well, I'm the deputy mayor, so I can't, I can't um, help pastor a church. I can't be in community in a way that I'm a brother, right? Then, um, then I would only be the, the deputy mayor, but what God wants you to do as leaders and this God ordained leadership is so much yeah. more broad than any single title. And he, we learned that because of his leadership. You can't just call him one yeah. thing, Virgil. You can't call he's yeah. three things at the very least. He's three things, right? <laughs> at the very least, he's three. Uh, and then, and then, and then he's everything, right? So, so yeah. we, if we're his children, then we can operate in, in the space. Now I say that to say, manage your stress. If I say that to say, you know, leaders that have high capability, then you know you gotta gotta make sure that you rest. That's why the Sabbath is in place. But my impact yeah. has my impact has been great. I mean, we've 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 done a lot of things to help save lives in this city, and um, we're not done yet. Well, you know, as you're talking, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm reminded of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, where the Lord kind of confirms something that it's when you're faithful over what you've been given, which might seem like little to you, um, he will put you over much. And it seems like it, along your journey, you've experienced that. And what a great testimony that is to say, man, by God's grace, I'm here. And and I, and I love that. It's not about the, the title or the chair itself, although those are those are a privilege and a blessing, but it's what do I do with that? And I think that's what leadership is all about. Um, I want to talk about I want to talk about the article that you wrote. Uh, everybody who listens to Avail, Avail, most of them know that there's an Avail journal that comes out quarterly. And I, I remember reading that article uh, in the summer 2022 Avail journal that you wrote entitled 
to do justly the church's role in gun violence prevention. Can you just share a little bit about that article? And then, and then, you know, I think there's a role that the church can play in gun violence prevention, the government can play and, and the, even us as individuals, but let's just start about that article. Uh, what was that all about? Well, listen, anytime I get an opportunity to broaden this conversation surrounding violence, um, it, 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 I will take it um, just like this opportunity to talk about because what we understand uh, surrounding violence, particularly homicidal violence, um, both in urban and rural communities that are poor, it's based upon the access to what we call the social determinants of health, education, economics, housing, health care, and criminal justice. And that's what W.E.B. Du Bois talks about, those five areas of, of policy development in, in, in our country and in our society. And when you don't have access to education, economics, housing, health care, criminal justice, uh, equitable criminal justice activities. And I want to add one more, a, a environmental justice environment where your water is clean mm-hmm. and your food is fresh, right? And if, if you don't have access, then you're at a higher risk of engaging in violent activity. So, so right. that doesn't mean that you will, right? Because we know people that have come from all of those risk factors and are doing fantastic. And we know people yeah. that have, don't have any of those risk factors that are doing, um, doing terribly. So it's, it is about risk and prevention. And so the, 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 the long and short of it is the role of the church is where, what are you doing in the church community? to level the playing field in one of those five or six areas. What are you doing That's good. surrounding access to education? What are you doing surrounding access to economics or financial stability, mm-hmm. housing, um, equitable health care? Um, uh, what are you doing surrounding criminal justice? Are you in prisons and jails? Are you advocating against um, police brutality and, and, and those areas? And what are you doing to help with an environmental justice initiative within your community. If you're doing one or all of those, if you're doing justice, right? So, you know, we, you know, faith without works is dead. I, you know, I, I love those types of scriptures that force us to do something about what, what is in front of us versus just, just, and not prayer works. Now I, my whole life has been saved by prayer and prayer alone yeah. can change, can crumble kingdoms, right? And walls, right? We know that. Right. Um, yeah. but we're to call to be the hands and the feet of, of our God. And so we yeah. are to, we are to do the work. And so if you're doing it in those five, five or six areas, that's what the church is called to do. And that's how you decrease violence. To me, I'm a violence preventionist. So everything is violence prevention. If you're helping people with housing, guess what? They're less likely to be violent. If you're helping people with food, they're going to be less likely to yeah. be violent. So everything is violence prevention. Yeah, that's good. It's kind of the both and mentality. I think Jesus modeled this so well where he prayed and he did the spiritual things, but he also went out and right. made a difference in the community, he touched people, you know, and, and I love that. I love the power of, of, of both of those. We can be a church that that prays and is highly spiritual and believes God in, 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 in spiritual ways, but also a church that that is the hands and feet of Jesus uh, and is making a difference in a tangible way, pointing people up to God in the process. I think that's powerful um, because because it's this is very unique for me to speak to a Christian leader, you know, a pastor, 
physician who has kind of his heart in 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 all of these spaces uh, and specifically in the violence prevention i think it's really unique so i, I want to take advantage of this conversation what are a few things that you wish more people understood about for example about gun violence um and is there anything that you've learned throughout the course of your career that's maybe surprised you maybe changed your perspective or, or could help us lean in a little bit more you know, it's a good question, you know, and the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, the, the number one form, the number one killer secondary to gun violence is suicide. Yeah. Suicide, We there are more suicides due to gun violence than there are homicides due to gun violence. Wow. And who, who is the victim in this country, the predominant victim of suicidal gun violence? It's the older white male. It's older mm. white men that take their lives with 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 a gun, um, committing suicide. And so when we talk wow. about gun violence, it's not a them over there issue. It's not a it's not a well that doesn't affect me. It it affects it is a, a it is a uniquely American problem. Um, wow. And we we have to approach it that way, understanding that the liberties that we have in this country to carry firearms and to own firearms is a liberty that we have to hold sacred in a way that we protect one another from the misconstrued nature of that Mm -hmm. liberty liberty is taken for granted. And right now, the liberty of carrying a weapon in this country, the liberty of being able to protect your family, um, to be able to feed yourself through the hunt, to be able to sport with the weapon, that liberty has been taken advantage of and, and it has not been made as sacred as it should. And the sacred liberties that we have, we need to hold sacred in a way that protects one another from each other and protects one another from ourselves. And, 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 and I think that if you understand that about the, 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 the gun then you can also understand that it are it is the human behavior that can influence how we use that gun. So we need to prevent it utilizing the social determinants, utilizing our access yeah. to mental health care um, uh, in order to protect ourselves um, from from the the, the ultimate uh, use of that weapon, which is which is death. And and so. Um, we know that in this country we have a, a lot of gun shows that have gun show loopholes. A lot of people don't know that illegal guns are. We know exactly uh, where those guns come from. Um, we can trace them back to to where they were originally bought and then how they were placed in the clandestine market. So I think it's up to us as Christians to stand up in these spaces, and and if we're going to be about uh, preserving life then we're going to be about preserving life, all life, right? Not, 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 yeah. not, just, not just unborn life, but all life. Um, and make sure that we're standing up to preserve life, um, especially in this preventable 
construct, which is done by Christian leaders around the world are taking advantage of their free annual subscription to the Avail Journal. After all, each one of us should be taking the next step in our leadership journey. When you sign up for a free annual subscription to the Avail Journal, you'll enjoy interviews, articles, resources, and much more. For more information and to get subscribed today, visit availjournal.com. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think it's important that we talk about this. It can be, it could be, it can be challenging and tricky, and there could be very strong um, opinions and positions on, you know, on both sides, especially when you talk about politically and uh, and all of this. So I think it's important that we talk about it. Here's a, here's just a question that just came to my mind right now, um, Dr. Mitchell, and and it's um, let's say let's say that you are given the opportunity and, and maybe this happens, right. But you're given the opportunity to speak to a large audience of, of young people, you know, uh, right now. And it's not necessarily, let's say it's not necessarily church context. Let's just say it's, you know, young people, you know, a school or community, you know, what are some of the, what are some of the tips or some of the, the points that you're going to bring up, you know, that, that people can get that young people can understand. Cause I think, you know, if we're worried, worried about this now, you know, the potential for it to get worse as time goes on, you know, is, is there, what, what points are you touching when you speak to the community, particularly younger people, what points are you emphasizing? Um, how, how do we help the younger generation begin to understand why violence prevention, gun, gun violence prevention is so important? Yeah, you know, and I speak to young people all the time. Like, you know, I have yeah. several boards I'm on. Uh, one of the one of the organizations is um, called Young Doctors, uh, Young Doctors DC. Where we have a young group of yeah. guys that we mentor. And the, you know, what I harp on is choice. You know, what I harp on is 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 how what's going into making our choices because everything is yeah. a choice. Every single thing is a choice. Yeah. And, and so how are we informing our choices? Who is there helping us make, make our choices? Um, hmm. How are we being supported in our choices? What is the outcome of our choices? Um, and, and, and so we, I spent a lot of time talking about that. And I spent a lot of time unpacking what I call the mirror of relevancy. You know, uh, hmm. there are not many black forensic pathologists in this country, right? Um, and, 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 and and there are not many black men, um, that, that are, that are doing, uh, doing this work, uh, in and of that, there are not that many of us that enjoy the culture of hip hop. I I enjoy hip hop. Hip hop Mm -hmm. is my, is my culture. I grew up, I'm born in the seventies, I'm 48 years old. So I'm almost as old as hip hop. Hip hop turned 50 years old Mm -hmm. this year. And so as I was learning about Jesus, I was learning about Run DMC, right? And so we know that we come in a we come through a culture, uh, and that cultural relevancy is important. So I include, you know, my upbringing um, and how the culture has impacted me through the music, but also how com- how society has impacted me um, uh, in, in common space as I speak about my father and his drug addiction. And the choices that I've had to make and the people that have been around me to help me make those choices. Um, we're not asking young people to make choices on their own, right? We know that the literature mm. talks about surrogate family structures as the most preventative 
structure that we can have for our young people. Put wrapping around a caring adult, consistent caring adult, being wrap, wrapping around a young person will be the most, will be the strongest prevention medicine for violence. And so when I talk to our young people, we, we, we remind them that they're not alone. And we tell them that they can make these choices, that, that they want to be successful. Talk about what do you want to be? What do you want your legacy to be? What's the, what does legacy mean, that word? Uh, and one thing that we talk about that I love to talk about is delayed gratification. Roger, come on, man. <laughs> oh, you know, delayed gratification, the ability to delayed say, gratification, the ability to say no to the things you want now so that you can have the things in the future. And if that's not principles, Christian principles, I don't know what is. It's, it's really being able to, to understand that there's things that you have to wait for um, in order to have them and have them in abundance. And so we, we spend a lot of time talking about that as well. I think it's huge. I think the fact that you have this opportunity uh, to have a voice in so many people's lives, especially young people, young and upcoming physicians as well, I think is hugely important. Um, I want to transition here as we kind of hit a bend in the talk. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your call specifically in the world of ministry, your call to preach the gospel of Christ you know, um, you were ordained by New Bethel Baptist Church. Uh, what inspired you to pursue this area and this aspect? I mean, as if you didn't have enough already, right? Uh, what inspired you to kind of say, yes, yes, Lord, I accept this calling in ministry as well? You know, Virgil, we're in a safe space, right? I can tell all my secrets yes. to the avail, to the avail <laughs> podcast, right? You know, the, the, the long yes, sir. He's been, he was chasing after me, you know, for a long time, you know, as a young person, you know, being, watch, you know, being in the Bible studies that my mother was having when she was going through her divorce and dealing with my father and being in the wings and hearing those prayers and hearing those shouts and then, and then being, being brought into those spaces as a young person um, and being prayed mm -hmm. over by, by men and women, understanding what was at risk because of my fatherlessness. Um, uh, and then uh, I can remember when I was 10 years old, I came home from just finding out that my, my father was, was uh, a cocaine addicted. He had left me for three days um, in, in, in the house alone at 10 uh, while he went on a cocaine binge. Um, in, in Rochester, New York, I was living in New Jersey at the time. And I actually, I actually called and booked my own flight at 10 years old, got a cab, um, left uh, his, his home and flew back to New Jersey. Um, and all I did was ask my mom to pay for the ticket. Um, and when I landed there, she was so surprised. How did you get home? Um, and I told her that my father had left me for three days and I knew I needed to get home. Well, I came home and I had a neighbor two doors down and that neighbor you know, I was crying and lamenting that I didn't have a father and I didn't have a father. And he said to me, mm. he said, well, you do have a father and your father is in heaven. And, mm. and that changed my life. And I, and he said, and you know, you can talk to him like your father. So, so, so since the age of 10 years old, I've been coming home every day going, guess what, dad, guess what happened today at work? Guess what happened today at school today, dad? <laughs> 
guess what happened today? What do you think I should do, Dad? So I've been calling God my father since 10 years old in a real way. And then, you yeah. know, at, at 40 years old, he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, son, it's now time for you to go to work. <laughs> he said, you was running, you was doing, you was doing a lot of different things, but now it's time for you to go to work. I need, I need your voice to do something that in this world that, uh, that only you can do. And, and I said, well, I said, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, so he put a collar on, you know, he put a collar and a leash on. Um, and every once in a while he points, points and goes sick of, you know, and he lets me off, he lets me off the leash and, and he allows me to do the things that I've been called to do. So, you know, I'm excited about it because, you know, the voice he gave me is a very relevant voice. He gave me a voice that can connect yeah. spaces um, that maybe um, those that take themselves a little bit too seriously can't go into and help in those spaces. Uh, and so he's given me, the, you know, thank God, the humility um, and a wife that that will keep me humble. Um uh, to be able to, to have all these titles and have all these degrees, um, and at the same time, uh, love uh, love people deeply wherever people are, because I've been where where a lot of people have been. So, um, so God is so good, brother. He's so good, man. Yeah. Um, he's so good. He takes yeah. you and he cleans you up, puts a tie on you, and makes people think that you're not as bad as you are. Um, and uh, I'm so humbled by by him and allowing me to just talk about him as if I know him. That's so good. You made you, you mentioned a phrase which, which caught my attention, uh, which was the tap on the shoulder. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of us can look back on our life and remember those moments where where either God Himself or somebody God sent in our life tapped us on the shoulder, gave us an opportunity, opened up a door. Uh, and I think it's important for us as leaders to remember that not only were we tapped on the shoulder, but he might be calling us to tap some other people on the shoulder and help them take some next steps on their journey. So I love that. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I want to, I want to finish off. Can I say one thing? I want to finish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say it. Jump in. Let me say one thing. I don't messed up the podcast. Let me say one thing. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, being, being a leader, you know, and you talked about, Tap being open, tap being tapped on the shoulder, and tapping others on the shoulder. Yeah, I truly believe as a leader, we're called to to open doors for other people, to to, to open those doors wide open. And so I know that I've been called to open door, hold the doors for the saints. That's my job. Yeah. I'm I'm a I open doors for the saints. I'm, I I consider myself a custodian of the kingdom. I truly do. I believe that. That I'm, I'm to clean the toilets of the kingdom. I am to make sure that yes. the, that the floors are clean in the kingdom. I'm, in, I'm, I want to make sure that the windows are clean in the kingdom, um, and that you know when anybody is locked out or they, 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 they're trying to jiggle the lock and they just don't know what the door to go through. I, I want to be there to help them. Well, no, I got that. I got, the, I got the key. Let me, let me help you into. Uh, what God is ca- into the room that God is calling you to go into. And so I- I'll stop there, but really, really excited. About it. I love, I love that. Well, well, here's what I want to do. Um, what upcoming projects 
Uh, do you have coming out? I think I think you said something about a book that's coming soon uh, in the year 2023 here. Uh, talk to us about, about upcoming project. So, um, I've, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work in deaths in custody. Uh, and that's, those are like the George Floyds or the Tyreek Nichols or, or even individuals that are dying while incarcerated from natural disease or suicide. Uh, death in custody is mm-hmm. on, on a continuum. Um, and so I've done a lot of work as a forensic pathologist in this space. And so myself and uh, a, a good friend of mine, his name is uh, Dr. Jay Aronson, he's a um, human rights uh, professor out of Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Him and I wrote a book called Deaths in Custody, How America Ignores the Truth and What We Can Do About It. And um, it is mm-hmm. a historical um, um, uh, uh, book. It talks about the history of deaths in custody in this country, um, the history of what has been done legislatively about deaths in custody, and then what we currently can do from a public health standpoint, which includes putting a a checkbox on the U.S. standard death certificate to categorize deaths in custody. So this book is being carried by Johns Hopkins Press. Uh, We're currently um, um, on the last part of the the print process and the book cover process, and it'll be ready to pre-order in uh, May or June, and it'll be out um, in, in, in the summer of 2023. So really excited about um, this book. It, it, we think that it's going to change the narrative. It's going to be a nice place for people to generate policy discussions on. And, and the ultimate goal is for us to be able to study this problem uh, in a way that leads to solutions, like we have solutions for cancer, like we have solutions for obesity, like we have solutions for heart disease. We need solutions for deaths that occur in association with our criminal ecosystem. I love that. You heard it, everybody. You're going to keep keep an eye out for this new book that's coming. Um, I think a lot of people, a lot of leaders are leaning in, uh, Dr. Mitchell. W- where can people kind of stay connected with you or maybe even follow you, uh, social media online? How can they find you? I'm on Instagram, uh, rmitch underscore junior. I'm on LinkedIn, Roger A. Mitchell Jr., M.D., uh, those are probably the two places that I spend the most time when I'm, you know, not checking my email. You can inbox me there, and if there's something that I can help with, then we'll exchange more personal information, and, and we can um, we can move uh, move forward together. There's a lot of work that the kingdom needs to do, uh, and the kingdom uh, is not just four walls called the church. This, the, you know, we need to really push ourselves out into into community in a way that. Yeah, that's a good word. I think it's important to be reminded of the priesthood of the saints. We are all called to be ministers. That doesn't mean we're all called to work vocationally in ministry at church. We're all called to make a difference for the kingdom wherever we are, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in government, whether it's in media, whether it's in the arts, whether it's in education. We are all called to shine the light of Jesus wherever we are. Um, and this has been a great conversation, Dr. Mitchell. I think, I think I'd like to just wrap, uh, wrap things up. I want to mention real quick before we get to just some, a final thought for, for the hearts of our leaders. I want to mention, you know, not only is your book coming out uh, in this year, 2023, I want to mention the Avail Journal. Uh, we, we always encourage leaders that you have resources that help you on your journey. The Avail Journals are chock full of great wisdom and insights like authors, uh, like Dr. Mitchell, who wrote a, an article um, recently in one of our journals, but great resource. If you don't currently subscribe to Avail, the first year is on us. Claim your free Avail 
uh, magazine subscription by going to availjournal.com. It's on us. We want to put a resource in your hands. Would you agree, Dr. Mitchell, that having resources helps you as a leader? No, absolutely. You need to read and um, you know attend these types of podcasts so you can learn what's going on and put tools in your toolkit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Why don't you leave us with something from your heart, an encouragement, a final nugget that you want to leave on our hearts here on Avail? No, I, I thank you, Virgil. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I want I want us to know that we're not alone doing this work, hmm. um, this leadership work, whatever you're working on, however you're trying to move forward. Uh, you're not alone. Uh, not just you're not alone because uh, Christ is, is in your life and in your heart and in your mind if you're watching this podcast, but you're not alone because there, there, there are others in the kingdom that are working hard just like you. That are training, training hard, not just for a crown uh, that that will perish, but an imperishable crown, uh, one mm. that we would train like boxers. So we don't just train, just to train. We train so that we can run the race, so that we can win yep. the race. And so, right now, um, the kingdom, everybody wants to see whether or not the kingdom will win. Even those that don't believe in the kingdom, they're standing by watching and hoping that all of this was real and it's our job uh, to bring it to fruition. So uh, I just appreciate being in this space. It's just such a blessing to be able to uh, talk shop with you, Virgil. And I'm praying for you, (laughs) family, your three lovely children, praying for your wife uh, and and praying for your ministry, uh, that your ministry grows and that it changes lives and heals hearts. Come on, brother. Hey, we send that prayer out to everybody. Listen, I received that. Um, Let me just say, Dr. Mitchell, your voice is a refreshing, unique, relevant, essential voice right now in the Christian leadership world. I'm thankful for you. I want to mention on behalf of the Avail team, Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilburg, everybody who's behind the Avail podcast, we just want to say we're proud of you, brother. We're thankful for you uh, and we honor you for your leadership, what you've done so far, but but even more for what's ahead. We believe that your voice is an important voice for the kingdom and for the communities of the United States of America and beyond. So thank you for doing what you do. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks for connecting on another podcast here with the Avail podcast, where we bring leadership that helps you take steps in joining the efforts, leading the way, making a difference. I hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this conversation. As always, we have a new Avail episode that comes out every Tuesday, every week. We're bringing out great resources in leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra. I'm the lead pastor of Vertical Church, a.k.a. Iglesia Vertical in South Florida. And I'm your host for the Avail podcast every week. It's been a privilege and an honor for Dr. Mitchell and myself to have you on for this episode. Catch you next time right here on the Avail podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Reverend Dr. Roger A. Mitchell Jr. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.